Hello and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com, and welcome to episode 59, a very special spooky episode indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Where we will be discussing various animated films, television specials, all focused around Halloween, this very special holiday of spooks and thrills. And joining me today, if you already heard, is... Chris, hello, Chris. Hello, Rachel. <laughs> How are you enjoying this uh, particular holiday season? Spookily. <laughs> With tricks um, and treats and shenanigans. Yeah, all of the above. yeah, that. Woo, woo! I'm a ghost now. <laughs> Very convincing. <Yeah. laughs> and also joining us today is Dan. Hey, Dan. Hey, what could be? scarier oh no <laughs> well all, ta- all of us talking about halloween stuff that could be that, we'll see how spooky how the spooky levels raise as the episode continues but um first of all thank you thank you both for joining me today and uh before we kick off our spooky selections of animated films uh we'll spectacular spectacular yeah. you can tell i'm overusing words already <laughs> Now that's scary. Um, <laughs> right, let's just go uh, do some very quick news housekeeping for a couple of uh, recently uh, uh, broken news stories. Um, one of which is going to be of interest for a lot of people who had the special opportunity to watch Shaun and the Sheep. Uh, mm-hmm. It has been confirmed <laughs> that the movie will be getting a sequel Yay! in the near future. <laughs> And Ardman fans rejoice <laughs> all over the world. <laughs> but um, I've, as I've uh, stated a couple times, I have still have not had the opportunity to watch Shaun the Sheep, but I know that is a mistake that will need to be rectified very, very, very soon. Uh-huh. But I am pleased to know that, uh, at least so far that I know about this particular uh, recent breaking in news, that I uh, believe the director... And producer from the first film will be returning to work on uh, the sequel. Yes. Very good. So ho- hopefully stay on the long lines. I don't think they've really had an opportunity to really say what the sequel is going to be about. They've just had enough, you know, sheep. wanted to put it out put out there to the world. Well, yeah, obviously about sheep. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know whether because like the first movie, the thing is, they go to the big city. Mm-hmm. And unless they go to space, like either they're gonna go in another, <laughs> yeah, either they're gonna go in another direction, like there's gonna be and a, a Brexit fear hits the farm. <laughs> oh no! Or they go to space, and I'm excited for both. I don't. I, the sheep is I, I, I'm, excited, I'm excited for both of those uh, uh, scenarios I just made up. I think <laughs> I think you have to save space for the third movie. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be like the trilogy climax mm. of it all. I mean, I would I would definitely say you got to pick another really you know, bit more of an exotic locale for this for the uh, next seek for the following sequel after the first film, and then have the whole big climactic trilogy finish in space. Mm. Well, in all, se- in all all good. in all seriousness, the pro- I, I can imagine they might um, involve Timmy a little bit more. Timmy's yeah. um, a little lamb character 
who ah. actually has his own spin-off show from Shaun the Sheep. Timmy Time. Which is the spin-off show called, and his show's called Timmy's Time, and it's, it's for like much younger kids. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of being involved a lot more in the, in the in the universe, I guess, in the Shaun the Sheep was cinematic he, universe. Was he in the um was he in the movie? Pretty sure he was. He's the small sheep, is he? Yeah, he's <laughs> the small one. It's because they there yeah, they wouldn't say Timmy in the No. In the movie, because it's the best silent movie since uh uh The last one. The last one, yeah. <laughs> Whenever the last animated silent film was, which is, you know, I really don't... As far as feature-length films go, I don't think that's, that's barely ever happened. Yeah, I can think of live-action ones, but not animated ones. Yeah, like, the only last, like, silent, like, quote-unquote silent movie that I saw was, um, I think, was The Artist way mm-hmm. back when. Mm-hmm. And that was a f- great movie, but it's like, I can't think of anyone who's ever tried to do that with, uh... With animation. Well, yeah, it happens in shorts. You know, mm-hmm. lots of the Pixar shorts, like Presto. Yeah. Like, that's that's a similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's the Red Turtle. is hardly dialogue-free. Yeah, of course. There's that, too. Yeah, it is. I, good, cool. I didn't even think of that one. <laughs> well, it's probably just because it's still just so recent. Yeah, but also, it's not... Um, uh, it's a different type of silent. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it's the silent kind of art house silent rather than um, Buster Keaton silent. Yeah. Although Sean the Sheep does have like noises in it, it's not completely silent. The sheep go bah! Yeah, if you're fond of like that, you gotta have sound um, effects. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But but the point is the humans also just make noises. They go, but whatever. Yeah, didn't they like they 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 cast Omar Jalili? Yeah, I love the fact they actually cast names to do famous. Yeah, famous like to just do the noises. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like trust me, guys. This will be the easiest voice role you've ever done. (laughs) Ever. It's a bit like when. George Clooney appeared in South Park way back when as Sparky oh, the gay right. dog. Yeah. <clears throat> and just did the barks. <laughs> I need I mean, I need to go back and watch that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm uh this gives me new reason to try and uh to make sure that I watch the first one as soon as possible because now that we know we were getting a sequel then I, you know, obviously it's still a ways out in terms of uh, production like it's too early that they can't even really elaborate on the premise as we've discussed but uh, still now that I know we're getting a sequel it's just like okay well I better I better hurry up and watch this movie man but it's, it's good because Ardman seemed to be having a good relationship with Studio Canal um, who they made Shaun the Sheep with and are making Early Man with and this seems to be working out better than working with the US studios that they have worked with in the past. Um, okay. Like, uh, I mean, like the most recent movies were released through Sony, I think, uh, Pirates and, mm-hmm. and um, what's it, uh, Arthur Christmas and stuff and it's been a while since those came out. Yes, right. it has. 
And I don't know if there's any more in the pipeline, but I don't think so. Well, whatever whatever allows to keep you know to allow whatever allows Armin to continue doing to do what they do best. I you know that's the kind of you know what I would wish for them is that any kind of partnership that they make you know allows them to continue making these awesome movies. Because it was a hit everywhere, Sean the Sheep, apart from America. Uh, but which what you, I what am you gonna deeply do? regretful for. Ugh. Yeah. But anyways. And we'll just we'll be keeping our ear to, collective ear to the ground for uh, follow up news stories in regards to the uh, Shaun the Sheep sequel production. So stay tuned on Animation for Adults for later news reports in regards to that. But um, uh, speaking of recently announced movies, uh, another um, another film has been announced uh, that kind of came out of frickin' nowhere. To be honest with you, at least at least it seemed like it to me because. As most, you know, animation fans might know, at least video game, also video game fans might know, is the fact that a lot of video game-inspired animated movies have been a bit notorious for just not doing well, at least not even if it's like a live-action adaptation. It's generally Hollywood and the video game world just does not seem to be mixing all that great, save for a few uh, genuine surprises like the... Uh, in- Wreck-It Ralph, everyone really enjoyed, but that was mainly because the, a lot of the major video game characters that appeared in that movie were kind of like secondary or background characters. But um, a bit recent bit of news just kind of hit where I think it's they've uh, Namco Bandai's uh, Klonoa, who is a pretty uh, kind of, I wouldn't say uh, he's not as well known, but he's a pretty uh, infamous uh, character from, uh, you know, some of Nam- Namco's older platforming games. And it turns out that he's going to be getting a movie uh, in the near future. Which, you know, as of someone who's played the Klonoa games, I am both kind of secretly ec- ecstatic about, but also incredibly nervous due to the uh, track record that I have stated previously. So, um, and I believe it's there be the movie's being made by a relatively newcomer studio, Chris? Yeah, by the name of Henshin, which is Japanese for transform, I believe. So that that's a thing. Um but it's a American studio. Uh I they may I think they might have come out of a people who worked for a company called Shifty Look, uh, a site called Shifty Look, which was actually related to Namco Bandai. Uh, they had webcomics and animations based on uh, Namco and Bandai properties, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes quite obscure ones, and they did have a Klonoa comic, apparently, and the artist of that series is also going to be writing the script um, ah. for this film. And So, whatever interpretation... Whatever interpretation of the film, you know, of the characters and the story, they're probably going to be going more on the lines with this comic series than the actual games or anything else. Mm-hmm. Which, which is weird because I, I, I never really had the opportunity to really look at this comic or see that, so I really have no, no opinion on how that will turn out. But all I know is I am, I am terribly fond of these uh, platforming games and the character of. Klonoa, so I'm just 
kind of sitting with my fingers crossed, hoping it's like, okay, well, please, someone get this right. I, I do remember playing the game a little bit way back when, and mm-hmm. I did enjoy it. Um, and it's it, very cute. And I think it had it had quite an interesting world and everything with... Uh, it was that revolved around going into dreams and stuff. Well, the idea is that the whole the whole setting of the game is kind of a dream, so mm-hmm. it it does tend to the logic of it does tend to shift bit by bit with each uh, level that you go through. And um, I think that's also kind of like the general idea, like Klonoa himself is a traveler between between dreams. Like when one game he'll find himself in one dream, one world that was created uh, by a dream, and then he'll by the end of that game he'll transition to another one which is a different world also created by a dream so it's it's a very interesting concept for a platformer series but from as far as i can tell it's never really it never really took off between uh, after two games because i know there was the original game for the playstation one and then they had a sequel called lunatea's veil um which was for which was released for the PlayStation 2, which is probably... I mean, of the two, it's probably my favorite. Well, there was uh, it, a Wii remake as well, of the original. Yeah, there was a yeah there was a remake for the first one on the Wii, which I, I'm not sure how I feel about, because, I mean, the, the graphics bump was nice, but it was what made it really awkward was the fact that they actually went with full voice... Ca- voice casting for this game mm-hmm. which i mean characters spoke in the original versions but they didn't really they, they were kind of speaking their like in their own made-up language which i actually really kind of enjoyed because you know in dreams when you try to remember back to what someone said sometimes it doesn't always come back like the you know actual characters like speaking to you, you just kind of understand what they're saying but not exactly hearing a language yeah, that's a good point. I've I've also heard people just like talking about the difference between speaking and not speaking characters in RPGs is the difference between you being able to read stuff at your own speed as mm-hmm. well, yes. and also not having to suffer someone say something that someone would never say just because you know there, there's um uh, voice voices in the game. Yeah. Rather than not. Well, like I said, there are there are definitely voices in both uh, both Klonoa video games, but you really like like I said, they they seem like they're just making kind of like with um, how we were talking about Sean the Sheep earlier. Like the characters are making noises and they're obviously saying something, but they're we just other than reading what's the written dialogue in this game, we don't know. We we would be able to put together what it was they were saying. Yeah, it's more endearing as well. Like everyone remembers how. The Sims talk. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, just, just complete and utter gibberish. As long as it's in the hands of the right people, the asp- the the idea of having a movie based around a Klonoa story fascinates me, but like only is just like it has to be in the right hands because that's just one of those kind of game titles where you could kind of it's it's kind of a deceivingly simple in its stories. Mm-hmm. with its characters and it just really depends on you know are you going to be creating a animated film ver- film version of the first move of the first game or are you going to try and go for a completely different plot or it really just it's it could 
go any way at this point in terms of, you know, how it could, how they're going to handle the development process. But I can just only sit here and hope that whoever's put in charge is uh, in writing the script, you know, they've, they've, that they've got a understanding of what makes this tick. I would guess anyone who's read the comic will probably have a better idea of yeah. where it's likely to go because that probably might be a starting point for them seeing as it's mm-hmm. the same creator of that so yeah I'll have, to, I'll have to track down uh see if there are versions of that comic that i can track down just to get an idea just to just to have an understanding of what i may be dealing with later on because if i will be embracing this movie or like when it releases then i'll just be like sequester myself with my playstation and like and playing the original phantom isle and just like ah oh. although i remember when it was just this there's also apparently there's also clonoa beach volleyball so it could be based on that you never know <laughs> <laughs> again pretending it never happened uh, but they're describing it as an anime movie uh, which makes you think that them and the art, the little art piece that's been released, makes you think that they're going for two D, which is also awesome. That I would accept because I don't know because we obviously with the uh, they've done three dimensional graphics with Kalonoa in his uh, PlayStation Two outing, which looked pretty good. But I don't know. It seems like I would I would much rather like to see a return to two dimensions with Kanoa because it's just like the one like you said the piece of art that they did release for uh, with it with this story was really really nice. It's definitely intriguing this story. Yep, and it's just going to be another another piece of uh, news that we're going to be keeping an uh, ear on just to see how that develops. Because I, I know I, for one, will definitely be paying very, very close attention to this. Because, like I said, there's lot, there are lots of personal feelings with this franchise, and I want to make sure that it is properly represented. But that is, that's just something I'm gonna have to hope, <laughs> hope against hope, that it works out as well as I might expect it to. But anyways, um. One last bit of news before we move on to our Halloween special. Um, is a bit of an announcement for, I think it's for the UK. Uh, uh, Anime fans, there's going to be a release of uh, the next installment of the Yu-Gi-Oh! franchise, their latest film called Dark Side of Dimensions, which I think is going to be getting a widespread release in the UK and also the US at some point in the near future as part of their big series anniversary. And, uh, Chris, do you have a idea of where there's a, that movie's going to be uh, playing in the UK? Uh, basically all over the place. It's like a hundred and something cinemas are getting it. Um, Whoa! It's bigger than like the other. I mean, like the recent screenings of like, Akira and stuff, they were quite, they were like 80 or something, I think. And I think your name might be similar when that's coming out. Um, but this is, yeah, I guess because it's a um, family or, you know, younger skewing thing and it's a more name recognition or whatever, it's going to be screening more brand, widely. Brand recognition, yeah. I guess, is more the term for it because you, you, the Yu-Gi-Oh card game is a definite brand and it's all for selling cards, so... And this is from February 1st, 2017. 
Mm-hmm. And I think you uh, you also said that the, the approximate U.S. air date would probably be around the, roughly around the same time. I think it might even be January or something. Yeah. Oh, so we might be getting it earlier, huh? Yeah. All I know is from uh, about this particular film is that it's definitely supposed to be uh, since it's an anniversary film, it's going to be f- featuring the. Uh, what it would seem to be a lot of the original characters from the original uh, anime season seasons, I should say, with uh, Yugi Moto, Kaiba, and all of those plucky, plucky kids who play uh, children's card games for adults. And I think that more or less wraps it up for news. So let's uh, move right along to our next portion of our spooky, spooky episode. Normally around this particular time of year, uh, that is normally the time for, like, say, television shows or any particular animated film that has a rather spooky edge. Normally it starts put on TV and we have to see, like, say, certain television show characters go through, like, a, say, a spooky-themed episode that kind of uh, spoofs, like, very various horror movies, etc., etc. And, you know, some of these films are, you know, in terms of overall holiday films and specials, there's generally a lot more focused on Christmas, but there is also quite a few animated films and, uh, you know, specials focused on the holiday of Halloween. Some are good, some are kind of in the middle, some are not so good. So, we're here to talk about ones that, you know, stand out to us, whether for being good or for being bad or just for trying something interesting. And, you know, just kind of gets us all in the mood for this particular season of the year. So, any particular specials that you uh, guys normally find yourself watching on TV or uh, around this time of uh, on the Halloween season, which you prefer to watch over others? Well, I have to say, I... I don't know if, I suppose, don't know if your experience is a different, damn. but in the UK, uh, Halloween wasn't traditionally quite, you know, it existed, but the, like, the big American commercialised idea of Halloween wasn't such a big deal, like, mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I, I do remember there were still spooky-themed episodes and stuff, but it's like one of these things that's come over from America and uh, I mean like when I was a kid there wasn't much you wouldn't wouldn't get a lot of trick-or-treating or anything cause... there's kind of I yeah I I know what you mean I think um I I do remember as a kid like getting dressed up for Halloween and going trick-or-treating and it, getting dressed up and stuff like that but I mean, the thing is, in the UK, it's so close to the 5th of November, which is, um, like, traditionally when we have, like, fireworks and a bonfire and right, right. Uh, the whole Guy Fawkes night thing. So, I think, like, bobbing for apples was this thing. I think, mm. <laughs> I think Halloween was just bobbing for apples and, I don't know, maybe watching The Wicker Man or something <laughs> in, the, oh, in the UK. Oh, Wicker Man. Um... But 
Yeah, it doesn't really... And, and because of that, it didn't really bleed over into TV specials in the same way. I do, they did have, like, Halloween-themed episodes or whatever. Because I do... I have a, a memory as as a kid go around a friend's house and <laughs> there was this really bru- we were watching children's television there was this really rubbish oh um puppet show that's been on since like it was on from like the 60s or something called sooty and it was like this really <laughs> rappy rubbish little hey i'm pretty puppet. fond of sooty he was a little puppet, and he couldn't. He just used to whisper in the guy's. It was like a little bear, and he just looked like the kind of puppet you'd buy in a toy shop. And there was there was a dog called Sweep who just squeaks, and there was a um, a panda called. There was Sweep. a lady one. Yeah, <laughs> it was just who, a bossy lady. <laughs> who apparently, I found out re- recently, there was resistance of having Sue in because they thought it was too sexy. I like no. No, kind of this little panda wow. puppet. <laughs> like, no, no, we can't introduce sexy element to city. Like, no, there won't be. It's a, it's a panda. They will okay as long as they don't touch. I mean, um, Sue's pretty hot. I feel like I've made that joke on this podcast before. I feel, <laughs> like, we, I feel like we've mentioned that before, and I've made that joke. Have I? I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm lost. I've sounds lost like that the well. kind of thing we'd say. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I remember there was going to be a Halloween episode of Sooty, and this friend's mum was quite religious, and we weren't allowed to watch it. <laughs> wow! That's mm. the best story. And I, I just remember, like, you know, even as a child, I was like, Sooty! <laughs> Lady, it's Sooty. Like, yeah. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's true. I mean... Yeah, I guess I was. I mean, like I was. The village I grew up in was. We have like a church at the centre of the community, and that's quite. It's not. It's it's C of E religious, mm-hmm. so it's kind of as Eddie is. I would say um, tea and biscuits Christianity, <laughs> but there was still a kind of yeah slight resistance to Halloween because of that. Mm-hmm. Like it was an affront to religion, but. Um, but basically, I think what we're saying is, on the whole, our experience of Halloween was more of an imported one. I do. I just, I just had another memory of TV it. and movies. <laughs> I think there was a Halloween episode of Wind in the Willows where they, the little rabbit went trick or treating or something. Uh, maybe <laughs> right, right. Because yeah. they had lots of seasonal episodes of that. The old Cosgrove Hall stop motion animated yeah one which is yeah so yeah so most of the Halloween stuff has sort of been imported from the US. Yeah. I mean it, it, it's it's I mean kids would dress up as like witches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it was quite low key. Okay. You could still find like decorations and costume stuff in the shops, but not it wasn't huge. Well, yeah, when you've got so many other things kind of competing around the same, you know, the same time of year, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Still, one of the things I do appreciate about the Halloween season, at least, you know, obviously they try and air more around this time of year, is um, 
more, you know, different different uh, examples of when, like like I said, with either cartoons, cartoon series, or movies, or heck, even with anime, when they try to all basically show um, different features of animation, where you know they're how you know each one experiments with the kind of idea of uh, you know horror and scare, you know, going for like a more of a darker like horror themed. Uh, for either for just an episode or maybe even just showing a whole season and, and just being able to like, kind of see different aspects of, you know, which which one of how like animators can experiment with using a, uh, animating a horror story or a, you know, or just a darker themed narrative is really, really interesting. Actually, wasn't there like a Halloween sort of element to the Cowboy Bebop movie, which we were talking about? Off off air. That's why it's just. Oh yes, actually, there, that was the, pumpkins. I remember there being pumpkins. In the, <laughs> yes, the there was actually because it was. I think I think the whole event of the uh, of the Cowboy Bebop movie was actually taking place around like their equivalent of Halloween. So yeah, there were pumpkins. Isn't it Ed running around with a pumpkin on her head or something? Is that yes? Yes, or, she or is. Or Ein, Ein, or both. Both of oh, them. I need to watch that movie again. It's a <laughs> Halloween movie. I need to watch it. You see? Yeah, it actually go. it would line up just right with the with Halloween. That's actually one hundred percent correct. <laughs> and uh, there there are plenty of scary uh, aspects about the Cowboy Bebop movie in terms of at least the bad guy was I found incredibly creepy. And if we're it's just it's bad to sort of create horror themed episodes as well. There is that. There is an amazing episode of Cowboy Bebop that sort of does sci-fi horror. Um, oh yes, the, never leave stuff the, in the fridge. Yeah, Toys in the Attic. I think that one's called. That's an amazing yes, episode. That's the name of the episode. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And I think that is like that's like an example of, of using like horror tropes in a series without because obviously they can't kill anyone off. Uh, but they take people out of the plot in by like making them go to sleep or something. I can't remember in, exactly. Yeah, in, them incapac- or making it look like they're dead when they're not. And that's a really interesting way of doing it. And another like there's the Adventure Time episode that does kind of its own take own zombie episode. Oh right. With this sweet creatures, mm-hmm. and that sort of does a similar thing. That was actually the first episode I ever saw of Adventure Time. Which really? Is quite a quite an intro to that series. Yeah, I'd say so. And I think they did then, do like a return episode that at some point, I think. Like a mm-hmm. sequel episode years later. And need we forget the uh introduction at least if we're, if we're talking adventure time, the introduction of the the Lich character. Who I have heard I've I've only seen a couple scenes with him since I haven't been able to actually sit down and watch a full you know, too many episodes of Adventure Time in a while, but I remember him being extremely scary. Does Does Gravity Falls have any Halloween episodes? So it seems like it would. Um. Yeah, they actually had a whole. Uh, I think it was I would think an episode special called uh, Summerween. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, they were just basically since they were oh, they knew that they were having this entire um show take place through the course of a summer. Oh. So they basically this was their way of trying to. Uh, in, you know, release a Halloween themed episode. That is something, yeah. They can't really well, do. Hey, here's a Christmas episode. Which I thought was very, very clever. Yes. 
Though I will say, I will mention this, um, in terms of just, like, short animations, the, like, one thing that my family, me and my family have kind of adopted is watching every single Halloween without fail was when Pixar released the, uh, Toy Story of Terror. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, you're right, that one is so good. That yeah, that really, one was. That, that's at a high bar for mm-hmm. Toy Story shorts. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted them to do, just do more shorts rather than do any more movies. But, hey, <laughs> that ship Some sailed. Them... That's like, oh, yeah, that ship sailed. <laughs> yeah, that, that short is, you're right, it's so good because it's really, it's really scary. Like, really scary. They really lean into... Like using horror movie um, like language, mm-hmm. um, and it really looks and feels like a horror movie, but it's also like a really good story about Jesse and um, yeah, I love that one. Yeah, yeah thanks is... for the reminder. <laughs> no problem. I probably believe it or not, I'm probably just gonna go watch it as soon as uh, we're done. We're done with this episode, but it's because I just I have to watch it every single year now. Like that's mm-hmm. the one thing. On uh, my family's like DVR recorder, like my uh, even my mom was just like, "You do not take that off. That stays." Because <laughs> we're just gonna keep watching it every year. And it's it's not Halloweeny themed, but it's so it does play on horror tropes. There is Curse the Were Rabbit is a definite Wallace and Gromit is a definite um, something that plays on all that with the the atmosphere and it plays on like hammer horror and stuff like like British oh, yeah. editions of of horror movies and that yeah that's absolutely uh uh a halloween yeah i think um it's 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 hard for me to i i can think of more like scary or really freaky animated things than i can specifically halloween specials mm-hmm. yeah like halloween specials i guess for me are kind of limited to uh, Treehouse Horror. <laughs> yeah, you got you can't not mention the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Some, oh no! Some people would say that that I, I like. I think maybe people who even stop watch the Simpsons sometimes still watch the latest um, Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, yeah. Cause that, I think I saw one of the latest ones was on TV. I think they were doing like a whole like Hunger Games kind of spoof thing with uh, some of the Simpsons characters. That was really strange to watch. There's uh, there's some really amazing stuff in some of those episodes, but I, I and, and the the weird thing about those episodes is like they're the introduction to lots of traditional like horror classics for kids of our generation. I think mm-hmm. the like um the the um Edgar Allan Poe. I've <laughs> we talked yeah. to, talked about uh I've when I re- talked about extraordinary tales the um anthology which is which is a good horror animation movie to watch over halloween it's on netflix by the way there you go there's another one um i said that i think my only experience of edgar Allan poe is from that episode of the simpsons and i think yeah yeah i think that's true and of course there's the wonderful early zombie episode <laughs> where the, the zombie, where, which introduced me to the idea of zombies saying braids, uh, and uh, that stuck for years. <laughs> I didn't know it came from uh, Return of the Living Dead, but hey. But it's got 
yeah. Is this the end for zombie Shakespeare? And oh, they, okay. they go, braids, and they cut to Homer, and then they keep going, braids, because he's, yeah, it's classic. Brains. Brains. Why, Sue Dokes, you rascal. <laughs> I thought you were dead, and... <laughs> classic episode. <laughs> <laughs> and need need we not mention uh South Park and their various uh spooky themed uh episodes like we have uh I think a couple that um were able to air this past week that I managed to tune in for there's one where I think uh uh Satan's having a big Halloween party and but my personal favorite was uh the uh the homeless episode that they were able to uh, kind of basically make it like a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. That was hilarious. They, they did just have, I think in the first season, just a straight up zombie episode, didn't they? I think so. But then they were able to just basically say, okay, well, we've done a real zombie episode. Now let's have, let's pretend like, you know, let's make the, you know, change like, like the homeless people are zombies. <laughs> change, you got change. Was was the ones with the, the the critters? Was that they a Halloween episode or a a, a Christmas one? I can't remember. I think the critter the the critters were a uh, a Christmas special. I think. Uh, it was just a really dark Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> I there, think that there is a, been a joke. There is overlap with Christmas mm. and Halloween and spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's, like, the tradition, the, like, Victorian tradition of ghost stories at Christmas, which... Christmas Carol, yeah. Kind of, yeah, which kind of led to, like, Christmas Carol, and, um... Yeah, I, I, I guess, like, that's, um... Overlap. And and there's also, like, the biggest, um... Uh, Halloween overlap... Christmas Halloween overlap film, uh... Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The um, so the one that always begs the question: Is it a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'd, both. I'd watch it. It's yeah. great. I don't care. <laughs> watch I, it any, I, po- any watch time. It, of watch it at Easter. Uh, yeah. Any. Anything. Because the Easter Bunny's in there for like two seconds. Oh, I think. True. I think. I think it is both. But I always watch it as a Christmas movie. It's in. <laughs> it's in my Christmas collection of films yeah. I have to watch over Christmas that and Elf and uh, <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol so, yeah. yeah but yeah I, I can think of like more creepy mm. um, I mean like there's I, the classic thing is like just Disney movies but I don't think I've ever seen anything scarier than stuff from Disney movies like name specifically well, obviously with All right. like stuff like so, Pinocchio like, Pinocchio the but whole yeah, like, latter, latter portion of that film is just terrifying. The whole portion, but also like the the first bit where um, Stromboli uh, kidnaps Pinocchio. That's terrible. Stromboli's just terrifying because mm-hmm. he's like a he's like a cuddly uh, like uh, stereotype. Mm-hmm. Up until the moment he just slams Pinocchio in a cage and. Yeah, he's he's really scary stuff. But I mean, also like visually, you know, Disney's got the monopoly on yeah, uh, just 
terrifying visual stuff, which is kind of terrifying because of its uncanniness. Stuff like um, uh, Night on Bald Mountain, yeah. Fantasia, the Pink Elephant's Parade from Dumbo, uh, The Witch from Snow White. Yeah, go back. Oh, right. yeah, I was going to say, goes right lady. back to the very beginning. Yeah, they haven't. There's nothing new about them, and and also like the the whole kind of um, like uh, the the aesthetic from like things like the uh, the skeleton dance. Oh yes. The um, what did Disney call those silly symphonies? Yes. Did Disney call them silly symphonies? Is I that... think that's what they were called. Yeah, um, like that, that, um, short and has a kind of aesthetic which seems kind of a po- kind of popular at the moment. The, um, I see lots of people like, re- like creating gifts of the skeleton dance. Really? All over the place. Yeah, yeah, um, it's got like a kind, it's, it's like got the sort of Fleischer thing going on where it's, they were just playing around with animation at that point. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, you know, those earlier, uh, um, animated shorts where they were kind of just experimenting with things, they got really off the wall with like lots of visual gags and ideas and things going on. Yeah. Um, which kind of lends itself quite well to, uh, like the macabre and the sort of Halloween aesthetic. Um, and then also you've got things like, and the skeleton dance is really cool, I think. But there's also, um, uh, Betty Boop's, uh, Halloween party. I don't think I've ever seen that. It no. was a, it was a Fleischer short. And there are lots of like, and and it's and it's from a similar time. I think it's from um, like the thirties, and it's got lots of um, like really playful visual stuff. Like there's a there's a scarecrow, I think, who's got this stuff called witch paint, and he just chucks paint on the walls, and it turns into like little silhouettes of bats and witches um, on broomsticks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really surprised actually to learn yeah that is from the 30s so this is like a tradition which yeah is not modern it is is not uh, contemporary really yeah it's been going going for a while <laughs> yeah that, that, I remember like seeing the skeleton dance uh, silly symphony like a way back when and I even even now, like, sometimes when I think about, like, animation in, you know, with that kind of, like, spooky edge to it, that's, at least as far as Disney is concerned, that's one of the first things I think of. Because mm. it is, it's kind of got bit, it's kind of got that timeless quality to it. And like you said, they're just, like, it, it really just co- comes down to they were just, like, playing around with the animation, just seeing what they could get away with. But just, this, like, like, just kind of, like, how, how, how bouncy the whole thing was and just yeah. kind of all over the place just kind of makes it sort of iconic in a way. It's, it's, it's also got this, that thing going on with like really early movies or animation <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> you're not sure whether it's meant to be entertaining or terrifying or really creepy. 
Like something yeah. will happen and it's like, is this meant to be funny or am I meant to be creeped out by this as much as I am? <laughs> that's a that's that's a very uh interesting dilemma and i think that's a, if you're if you're writing really kind of if you're doing really kind of good animation or even just like writing for something that's can kind of go both ways i like that when it can make you kind of feel that conflict it's like am i supposed to be laughing or am i supposed to be creeped out like i remember uh growing up watching the batman the animated series like i'm basically every single time the joker was on screen that's basically i always had that dilemma because that's the kind of dilemma you're supposed to have with that character. It's like, do I laugh or do I just get really uncomfortable? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly... Yeah, that's exactly... That's how I felt as a kid, actually, watching, like, halloween uh stuff. Mm-hmm. Was that, that kind of mix of... Uh, I think they want me to find this kind of cute, but I'm really scared. <laughs> <laughs> So then I'm gonna ask, uh, propose this question, like, in in regards to like animation work, from like you know, regardless of where it came from, was it if it was made for television or a feature film or a short or what have you, what do you think really like can make a, you know, animated story really stand out in terms of like as a, kind of, creepy or horror set piece, you know, just basically you know what what, what makes the good ones stand out? Would you say? I recently. Uh, it's going to be a review of this on the site for Halloween. Ooh. I recently watched um, a French anthology film called Fears of the Dark. Um, nice that, title. Is, that is uh, in, basically made in black and white in different different art styles. And because um, it's an anthology film, some bits worked better than others. And I think the ones that worked were the work most were the ones that did all the storytelling visually and through the music and the sound and everything mm-hmm. and they built up really effective atmosphere and there's some there's some really freaky bits in it there's this um there's this segment with like this this creepy old dude in like he looks like he's wearing a top hat and everything he might even be an undertaker sort of costume and he's got a creepy face and he's wandering around with these four vicious dogs on leashes and he sets them on people and it's just and it's all done the art style is like all done like looks like it's done in pencils or sketchy and it was really sort of chilling mm-hmm. <laughs> but then there are other bits where it's like someone telling a story and those bits it's like look don't you know show don't tell type thing and yeah. it's um when it's just someone telling, narrating, whatever, it isn't so effective. So I, I think, basically, when you can you can actually do the storytelling visually and through creepy imagery and stuff, that's when it's really effective. Yeah, anything that can create really good tension and then equally as good payoff in mm-hmm. regards to the said tension. And um, kind of going back to what Dan was talking about earlier with a lot of the like the earlier. Uh, a lot of a lot of Disney films that were you know had like a lot of these like maybe not for the entire film but had a, a good dose of like creepy visuals. Is that they really know how to make like, like say with the um, the if we're referring to Snow White like the transformation from the evil queen into that old hag which she you know goes to confront Snow White and give her that poison apple like that sequence was scary because they just they knew exactly how to you know 
shoot that, you know, they've been, and animate that entire sequence to amp up the tensions, like, oh, this, she's becoming, she was from one thing and becoming something else and reflecting more of who she really is. Oh, that's a really good point. I I never really stopped to think, like, um, that that witch transformation scene is purposefully uh, filmed in such a way that you don't see everything. Mm-hmm. When she, when she, the part where she actually like bends over, yeah, um, it's all played with like cutting back to. I mean, first of all, it gets really trippy yeah. with like the colors spinning, but it, and it's played with like um, the reaction from the, the the her bird, her familiar, the crow, mm-hmm. and it's. Yeah, it's oh my god, it's really terrifying because the thing is, like, it's animation. They could just like point blank show you the whole thing, but they show it with like shadows and all suggestions still. Yeah, if they leave it up to the imagination, which I think is also another big important. Is if you're going to get horror right, then there is a certain bit of it, like you know, part. You know, it's only going to be as, you know if you leave take it out, then they're basically leaving it up to the imagination. It's like okay. What do you think's happening? And that can sometimes be even scarier than anything that they can put on screen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Like, um, oh, what was it? They think they, um, you know, going back to Pinocchio, we were talking about that also. The, um, when we actually see, you know, our very first, uh, example of, uh, what happens to the boys when they're on that really creepy island that turns them into donkeys? I mean... For being bad little boys, I mean, then they finally realize what's happening. They they leave out most of, like they said, you see the silhouette of the character, but you don't really actually see him change until it's too late. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it taps into some. They're tapping into something, and there's something about you know, like animation. It's just um, it's all visual symbols mm-hmm. describing something describing a story so it's it's already got like a symbolic surface level going on mm-hmm. and yeah there's something about being engrossed in that world where you're watching all these like visual um like symbols flickering around starting to play with reality mm-hmm. um which can be really horrific because it's not the same thing as there being a movie with a guy um, who like transforms into a werewolf or something, you just look at it and you go, "That's eh, quite good makeup," you know. It's because it's kind of interrupting like the photographic reality that's being filmed. Yeah. But animation creates like a whole new reality where you're kind of less safe because it's all um, a representation of something else. Yeah, I think you said, Dan, before something that like Takahata said about animation, like being able to affect you more emotionally. Oh yeah, oh I gotta find that. Yeah, he basically says that um, he reckons that people watch live action slightly lazier because mm-hmm. it's um, it's everywhere. But animation, mm-hmm. people pay a little bit more attention to. Um, and I think that's true. And it also reminds me kind of of the thing that John Lasseter said. Um, he, he said this a few times, the thing where the benefit of animation is 
you don't um, the the willing suspension of disbelief happens a lot sooner for the audience. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. when you're watching like um, uh, uh, a live action movie, they have to work kind of hard to get you into the world of the movie in in how um, they're rearranging these photographs and these shots to create a reality that makes sense for the movie. Something like, um, like a really, uh, um, like visually arresting director, like Edgar Wright kind of does it. He -hmm. kind of quickly sets up a couple of quite outlandish things and you kind of understand, oh, okay, this is what we're dealing with. But with animation, that kind of suspension of disbelief is, happens a lot sooner. So, in a way, it makes it a lot easier for the audience to believe what's happening. Yeah, because you get engrossed with the kind of set of rules that this world has set for itself in the outset. And so when yeah. you see those rules yeah. are, are all of a sudden challenged, you're like, wait, what What? what just happened? Yeah, and i I got to be honest, that for me is why um, Nightmare Before Christmas is still really scary to me. It's really... Yeah. I mean, because because the... Um, like, the, the, the first part of the movie, that song, where they just introduce you to the world, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the design of the film is not at all... Um, they don't hold back on, like, oh, maybe this looks too grotesque. No, they don't care. <laughs> they, just, they just go for it. And there's something really, like, unbelievably creepy for me when I think about how this entire world is, like, at night and just everyone has these grotesque faces and they don't really... There's just... There's no chance that, like, um, it of it, like, kind of holding up or, like, softening up a little bit. Mm-mm. Um... I mean, I guess apart from when you get to Christmas land, but... Well, that's an entirely different world altogether, and they make that very clear between the different, you know, like I said, each of the different holiday kind of worlds have their own, like, separate identity to each other. You know, Halloween town's always at night, and it's always got this, like, you know, it's that hardcore kind of spooky edge to almost everyone who lives there, and just the environment in general. Weird angles, and just, you know, Mm. oddly shaped you know, buildings. But it's, it's really creepy. I always like, it's really easy to just like, Oh yeah, whatever. Nightmare for Christmas. Oh, Jack. Yeah. Okay. You know, the whole like hot topic kind of, uh, (laughs) like a appropriation (laughs) of nightmare for Christmas. Yeah. But like the, the, yeah, that's a really dark, like, piece of work going on there yeah but i don't know how they got away with it i mean because it really i mean i i think i remember like really being creep i i remember being so creeped out by it as a kid that i stopped watching it you are not the only one i was very similar in that like i I didn't actually be i wasn't able to actually sit through the whole movie from start to finish until i was about um i think i was almost 10 years old Yep. By the time I think I finally had a strong enough stomach to watch through the whole movie. It's not that I didn't like the characters or anything. It's, you know, Jack especially. 
since he was basically one like one of the, like him and Sally are probably like of this particular world are like the first characters you are supposed to latch onto in terms of just design and character. You know, because they, they, they humanized Jack a little bit you know, with his uh, being bored of Halloween and wanting something new. And mm-hmm. uh, Sally with her, you know, concern for for Jack. But, yeah, other than those two characters, like, I just was really just spooked out. And then by the time, normally I would be checked out of the movie as soon as Oogie Boogie <laughs> made his appearance. I'm just like, no, I'm gone. I'm done. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then, like I said, it wasn't until many years later that I uh, was able to actually sit up, watch the whole thing from start to finish. And I'm like, okay, this still is really, really creepy to watch, but at the same time, I'm able to enjoy everything else about it from the start to the climax and to the ending. Mm. So, yeah, I, I remember like it was also like it was only on TV really late at night. Yeah, because I guess the TV station like knew like okay, we're gonna get complaints if we. If we show this too early, um, I think they do nowadays. Like show yeah. it, like um, in the mornings or yeah, the morning. yeah. Maybe there's more of a tolerance for it now, because it's such a big name. You know, it's an institution now. It's a tradition. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's weird how how that one kind of broke through because I still think it's unbelievably creepy. And then I mean, I and and I'm not also I'm not one of those people who. Um, who finds stop motion creepy inherently. Like sometimes around the release of like stop motion movies, for some reason, I always hear people say, Oh, stop motion creeps me out. I can't do it. I, yeah, I, I find people... that weird. Is that, do you hear it more from, do you hear it more from American people? Maybe I don't know. I Cause... hear it from people, I guess who, who aren't animation heads, like aren't animation like lunatics uh yeah i i don't know where i don't i see it all over the place but with that said it does stop motion does creepy really well not i don't no, think it, 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 it does it, lend itself i yeah. don't think it by definition is creepy because you know look at clangers or look at <laughs> bag or postman pat or some you know so things they are not at all creepy to me in any way they're just you know cute and adorable whatever yeah. but you can do creepy amazingly yeah, I, well I, like yeah I, I like, mean, just... like a kind of built most of what they've done yeah. on it yeah. like I, I mean there's brilliant creepy themed stop motion like uh they're not as good as um nightmare before christmas but corpse bride is still i i enjoy and um, Frank Cabini's okay, I think. <laughs> I've only seen it once. Um, and obviously Coraline. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and and, and, and uh, also Woman. there are the um, independent stop motion uh, uh, filmmakers who really get creepy and. Uh, Stop motion, like the the Key Brothers. Um, are you or Brothers? Brothers, there you gonna Key. Have you seen any of the Secret Life of Tom Thumb? Thumb. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. Um, the Bolex Brothers. I just remember seeing that, and that bit, that just being no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no. it's just too weird. 
there's um there's a uh i think they're i think they're british mm. um a pair of animators called the bolex brothers who i mean their name bolex comes from um bolex was the type of camera mm-hmm. that was um originally used uh to make sort of motion because it had the little uh uh remote shutter on it mm-hmm. by which you could control um uh, the photography of one frame per second. Oh, oh, sorry, of one frame at a time. Okay. Um, but yeah, they made like some some really creepy things. Like uh, there's one called the Saint Inspector, which is oh the big fat, big big fat, big fat weird thing, and it's kind yeah. of there's a bit of a Was and Gromit kind of robot thing, but it's it's not good news. <laughs> and but yeah, the Secret Adventures of Tom Thumb is like a um, like a feature length movie that they made using pixelation, which is where you kind of mix um, real life, real uh, real life like human actors <clears throat> with the stop motion process. So you get this really um, creepy effect of like watching full-size humans basically move unnaturally because they're be- they are being manipulated uh at you know at, um at 24 frames a second so they can um interact with little stop motion puppets as well mm-hmm. um yeah the event the secret adventures of tom thumb is uh is a really creepy watch, but it's really interesting, and I recommend it if uh, if you're not completely immediately put off. Yeah, I, what, I did see it quite <laughs> young, um, and it did it it feeds into some. I I find baby dolls creepy, and it yeah. uses like a creepy baby doll, um, and yeah, that freaked me out. Strange. I remember weirdly that was released on video by Manga Video, like in the nineties, and it's like, whoa. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think I, the the copy we had at university was a Manga Video. It was like it was most. I just, I think I saw it, saw it on TV, yeah. uh, had it recorded off TV, and I don't know if I ever watched it all the way through or if I was just like, no. <laughs> And 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 the other um, stop motion uh, animator, independent, who who really gets creepy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my favourite is Jans Fankmeyer. Yeah, again, no, don't, don't <laughs> <Time> out. <laughs> um, something like, and actually, Rachel, like this is the this is um, one of his films called um, uh, Dimensions of Dialogue, uh, ah. which I think. I think it won like an award. It won, um, and it became quite well known in the eighties. Um, is a, is is exactly that kind of thing that I was talking about earlier, where you're not sure if you're meant to find it entertaining or just unbelievably unsettling. Yeah, and it kind of um, it kind of climaxes with two quite realistically. Um, animated and modelled uh, clay heads kind of 
engaging in all sorts of uh, dialogues. So, like, visually, things like one will produce a pencil from his mouth and the other will produce, like, a... Uh, and this is all, like, stop-motion animated, so it looks purely, like, uncannily uh, believable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's it's real nightmare fuel. <laughs> <That's> t- <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting to see which, like... De- different types of uh, animation can really experiment with like a nightmare fuel kind of scenario and what kind of stuff you can pull off. Like uh, I know you mentioned like, you know, like you say that uh, stop motion lends itself really well to, you know, to doing stuff like this. And I wanted to just both get both of your thoughts on like why you think that is more than more so than any other type of animation. Why do you think so many people really, when they think of really good kind of like scary, spooky style of animation, why is it, Normally, uh, like stop motion, does that is successful at doing that better than say two dimensional or computer generated animation. Is it because it exists in reality? In some yeah, way? I it's think that's a strong. Yeah, I think that's a really strong part of it. I, I I have a couple of ideas about exactly why. Um, and they're kind of hard to. I, yeah, I think. I mean, actually, Chris, the thing you were just saying about um, you not liking uh, uh, baby dolls, <laughs> I think there's... Uncanny a, Valley. Well, there's a kind of, like, you know, um, you know, baby doll come to life kind mm. of nightmare f- fulfilled thing going on with um, stop motion where these little puppets just start moving in quite unnatural ways. Um, and yeah, the fact that they're real and that they depend on like real light and they're kind of unmistakably real photographs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a big part of it, I think. Okay. The fact, the fact that it, it, it is the, the, the fulfillment of that nightmare of what if my toy came to life? Because the fact is, it's not like Toy Story, it's like Chucky. Oh, yeah, the freaky baby doll in Toy Story was the... I did not like that either. The baby doll oh, head. No, the, um, yeah. the, the, the baby doll head that was stuck on that metal, uh, the metal, uh, like, spider legs. Yeah. From the first yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember that was in- incredibly unsettling when I first saw it. I was like, okay, what the heck's going on here? This this is like a toy's nightmare, which has really kind of lent itself to that whole moment. It's like, oh, you're in this like kid who, you know, the, this kid's room who he who abuses toys for fun. So like, of course, they're like something like this would be in here. Yeah, I think it's just because of the the. I, I don't know if the word if the right word is surreal, but there is something maybe hyper real about some motion. Mm-hmm. About the fact that it's a real object, but you're seeing it like manip- like a poltergeist, you know? Like you're seeing it manipulated by an invisible hand. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's kind of shoddy, shonky stop motion. Or or not not, not shoddy or shonky, but there's like um there's this particular um stop motion aesthetic which does creep me out no end. And it's um I've forgotten the dude's name. I think he was a Canadian 
or an American anime. He did um, Tom Sawyer. Hmm. Uh, stop motion. Oh, crikey, I'm forgetting the guy's name. Um, Will Vinton. Uh, he yeah, it was called the sorry, it was called the um, Adventures of Mark Twain. Okay, all right. I think I might have heard of that, but I'm not sure if I've actually. There is a sequence in that film where these like stop motion um, plasticine figures, like characters, um, meet Satan. Oh, lovely! <laughs> and Satan is like this, uh, this like, uh, like, uh, um, like masquerade, like theatre mask. Hmm. That is held up by a thing that kind of looks like a a knight, like a like a suit of armor. Hmm. And bad things happen, and it's really freaky, and it kind of plugs into the same things, I guess, that's going on in Snow White, um, where it's just using like really surreal imagery to just damage a generation of kids um yeah, there's, there's amazing like you can uh at least for between like the like 80s 90s into the 2000s like you could probably like i can't count on my two hands the number of films that would have a scene or multiple scenes that would like left mental scars because of how terrified i was just by watching it and a lot of it where it was like you know said those uh more surreal or exaggerated uh sequences in certain disney films that just really just kind of uh you know, crank crank the creepy up to eleven, and then yeah. just kind of moved on with the film afterwards. But still, it's just like those those couple minutes or a couple seconds of those of those scenes. I'm just like, oh, I feel unclean. And I feel even, uncomfortable. And they even used to use stop motion to do creepy stuff in live action films for the effects back right. like yeah, exactly. house and stuff exactly. like skeletons from Jason the Argonauts and... oh yeah so that was like one of my other theories about why stop motion creeps people out was like a cultural one mm-hmm. where there's the kind of um, uh, inherited like cultural understanding that like you said stop motion was used when there was a fantasy or horror element in in a movie that was unable to be um, filmed in live action. You see, that's why I asked whether you thought the creepy thing was more of an American thing, because, like, maybe in American culture you have more creepy stop motion, but in Britain we have, like... Cozies. We have Fluffy. We have, yeah, we have um, Ardman, and we have Small Films, and we have Postman Pat. Yeah, um, all felt and cloth. Um, yeah. I'm not really yeah. sure about that because I'm trying to think of any particular, like, animated film or short or anything. Because I mean, a lot of Halloween specials, like a lot of things, like the stuff we were talking about earlier, just basically with a lot of like Halloween specials for certain shows. Like normally, they just either uh, follow, like you know, they they take an episode, you know, they center it around the holiday of Halloween, and then basically that's their um, they use that as an excuse to basically take the characters. And kind of, you know, sometimes they'll put them through, like, say, particular gags or, or like, sequences that, you know, you interpretly see in a more adult horror film. 
Yeah. Like if they, uh, you know, someone who's working on the show is, you know, familiar with a particular horror film and is very fond of it, like, sometimes that's a way for them to kind of, like, okay, I'm going to put this character through this particular sequence just like this movie, and, you know, kids will, you know, who are watching this particular episode will, you know, will weird them out for, like, you know, as part of the Halloween tradition, but, you know, if a grown-up's watching this who's probably seen that film, they'll recognize the reference to it. That... That can happen sometimes, but then other otherwise, it's just like a a uh, ex, you know you have spooky shenanigans with say like a, a ghost character appears or a witch or something like. That. I remember a lot of the like early like Disney um, cartoons that had like you know specific Halloween episodes like uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie hanging out with a witch and picking on Donald Duck, or um, uh, I think there was even like a old Disney short where they had. Um, Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, they were all, uh, they were kind of like ghost hunters. Mm-hmm. And they were, uh, prank called by a bunch of ghosts living in this one house. And then basically they, you know, the entire episode is them trying to get rid of the ghosts. And the ghosts are just constantly praying prank pranks on them. Mm-hmm. So it really, like, you know, most, most things that are centered, centered around Halloween, at least in terms of, te- you know, just straight up television, it's basically just using, you know, Halloween as a uh, reason to try and, you know, experiment. Like, okay, how can we take this characters in this setting and how can we kind of twist that on its head? I I think, I don't know about you, Chris, but I've perceived in Halloween uh, a slight, not misunderstanding, but different understanding of its function in the US and the UK. Mm Mm-hmm. And it seemed like for much longer in the UK, it was more about um, actual scares. And the whole kind of, like, festive side of it was not so much... Mm-hmm. I mean, I might be completely wrong, but this is just my experience of it. Like, the festive side of it was not really the same. Like, the idea that um, at Halloween in America, you can kind of dress up as anything... Yeah. That's kind of festive, yeah. and it doesn't necessarily... Like, you could dress up as, like, um... I, uh, uh, I, I don't even... I can't even think of one, but... Something um, sexy, normally. Something sexy, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, I guess that's... That or, um, as a bit of, uh, something I heard from, uh, a, my boyfriend recently when he was out shopping for a Halloween costume. Apparently now there's a, uh, Halloween costume that you can buy, which where you can dress up as Vegeta from Dragon Ball Z, so that's also a thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking. So, like, yeah, like, um, oh, you could dress up as Indiana Jones, and that would be acceptable. But yep. I feel like in the UK, it's kind of like, look, if you're not going to dress up as something at least horror themed or scary, mm. yeah, then you're not really doing Halloween. You're not entering that's into the spirit of it. Where the difference lies. Yeah, so I think that's kind of. Yeah, maybe, at least as far as I can see it, like a difference culturally into kind of like understanding the function. I mean, not that there's really, I think there is, actually, I th- I have like a, yeah, I mean, Halloween has like a, a really long history, like mm-hmm. um, in pagan religion, you know, with, with um, and like harvest, you know, kind of, uh playing a function like socially but yeah for whatever reason the modern uh version of that is a lot more festive in america 
so you probably have a lot more of a kind of festive spirit thing going on around it. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there's a Charlie Brown special, isn't there? About yeah, yeah. Um, the Great Pumpkin. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And I'm yeah. guessing there's not many ghosts in it. I've never. I'm not sure I've ever seen it. No, <laughs> it's actually. Um, oh gosh, it's been it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I'm probably completely mis like representing the plot. Um, I'm trying to remember if it was explicitly because I remember there was it, it that short or special was heavily focused on Linus. I think. Mm. Ah, oh, but I, I, it's been so long. I've, I've, I'm trying to remember the actual plot of the the short, and I know it had something to do about like, oh, uh, Linus believes in this uh, this entity called the Great Pumpkin, and no one else believes him. So I'm trying to remember if that, like, like, that's literally all I remember from this special, and I I feel like you know considering how memorable the the Christmas special was for you know. Charlie Brown. I feel like I should remember this one a bit more uh, vividly, but or almost as vividly. But for some reason, I just absolutely I just can't. Mm-hmm. Which I feel terrible about because I know a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, remember I'm... anything particularly spooky happening in it. It's like I think if, if if that was the case, I would remember it a lot more. I think um, I'm much more familiar with Halloween movies than specials. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like obviously all the Leica stuff. Like, and... and then there's like a, a movie like, um, what's it called? Uh, Monster House. That's almost always played on television in the US uh, around Halloween. Almost always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Paranorman was on TV today. Oh, was it? Oh. Um, <laughs> and I think it was like the, um, it wasn't like cut down for showing it showing on a sunday afternoon um so yeah i i think uh and and i think that got a lot of love i mean even though it didn't get like a runaway box office success whatever Mm -hmm. um but actually like a, a a freaky halloween um there 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 are a couple of anime movies which i think are appropriate for halloween um, um, what are they? So, like, well, the first is kind of loosely Halloween, um, but it's Pompoco. Oh, yes. Because of the, um, I mean, Pompoco is, like, steeped in uh, traditional Japanese culture. But there's a sequence where yokai kind of escape. <laughs> um... And that's really, really uh, freaky and fun, especially if you, if you're um, you're into uh, like yokai and uh, mm, yeah. Japanese like spirit uh, culture. It's kind of like a spot um, spot your favorite <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> going on. Um, Name that yeah. yokai. Yeah, I mean, like my favorite is the um, the umbrella guy. Oh, right. The umbrella with the tongue, which I remember seeing, like, as a kid in the Super Mario games and not realizing, like, that it was, uh... I just thought, oh, that's a freaking weird design. (laughs) Not realizing (laughs) that, um... Yeah, it's in fact a... 
like a traditional Japanese um, yokai monster. Yeah, if I recall, they've made a whole um, they've made a whole animated series and video game series from uh, via level five uh, about that's all centered around yokai monsters, though. Oh yeah, yo, yo it's called Yokai Watch. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've heard interesting things about that show. I've heard that it's um, not doesn't get itself into trouble, but it's kind of all about stereotypes. Oh, hmm. I don't know how true that is. I mean, maybe I've well, I've been spending too much time on Tumblr. I think <laughs> <laughs> where like oh. where every yeah yeah. So I'm kind of like oh, everything is an affront to uh, every other culture. <laughs> um, the the other kind of like grown up uh, Halloween animated movie, which I think is good, is Perfect Blue. Oh, which oh. is like an animated um, like. Italian pulp giallo movie, like a sort of, you know, the sorts of movies that um, just are about women kind of being stalked and there's surreal imagery and hyper violence, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like um, the Dario um, Argento films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Perfect Blue's a really nasty, fun thriller. <laughs> um, about going mad <laughs> and <Yeah>. murder. <laughs> Actually, just you saying about anime and creepy anime, I I do remember on several occasions watching watching things when I was far too young to be watching them. Really, some of the right some of the anime that really got under my skin, like <laughs> there were um, there was like this. I saw an episode of Devilman and stuff, and there was like, some of the creations in it. They were like it's like a demon who has um, like the souls of people, like a tortoise shell, and has this, the face. It has faces in its back, and they're all people trapped. Their souls are trapped in this demon, and it was like ugh, just really creepy stuff. And yeah, it freaked me out. A... Yeah, that's that's something that um, if you're you know like to see experimentation with like very like surreal and creepy imagery around the time of Halloween that's you know trying to try you know at certain anime series or movies or you know what have you that normally they'll that'll they'll be able to satisfy that itch because there's a lot of really great series that have that just kind of just thrive on that kind of imagery and and just kind of experimentation with like okay how can we adapt like a really creepy scenario or even just character designs, like you said. Like, um, I think they think it's just generally a good time to just get into a get into a creepy anime series is the, for Halloween. But um, I think I remember like the very first time um, I watched, uh, even though it's a, more of a shonen show than anything else. Uh, I think the very first time I ever watched a uh, Soul Eater was on uh, was on Halloween. I think it was a Halloween and. Uh, like with my college uh, anime uh, club, and that's for the very first time they uh, they aired the very first episode of Soul Eater, and that the entire design of that show just screams Halloween. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's got a real. Um... Yeah, yeah, you're right. Just like the, the just like the dark shadows that it can have, and I mean, heck, if you look at the designs of both the sun and the moon, are creepy as hell. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I I think I have seen yeah some of it. I, yeah, I think I read the comic, and um, watched. Uh, yeah, sorry, I I got it mixed up in my head with another one, which I thought you were talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking okay. about um, what's it called? D D Grayman. Oh, D Grayman. There's there's another really uh, no, yeah. Both of those shows, I mean, they have different takes of on that. Like, the one, yeah. one's a bit more of a exaggerated style than the other one is. But uh, no, I both prefer Soul Eater's like the cartoony one, right? Yeah, Death the Kid. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I mean, remember. Just, I, I dare you, now. like, look at the opening of uh, of Soul Eater just in general, and it's just like it's it's just like I said, the opening's it's amazing. The thing to watch on Halloween Day. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, um, uh, Sakuga fans, uh, the first fight in the first episode? Yes! Like, Sakuga fans, like, repost that all the time. <laughs> um, because it's amazing. Yes, it is. Uh, the one, I think it was, uh, I'm gonna get the name wrong, so I'm not even gonna bother trying to think, <laughs> trying to remember who the, uh, animator is i i don't I, i'm also having trouble remember his name but i know who you're talking about i know he's known for having like if he has like um because i know he, he primarily does like fight sequences and normally if there's like debris or something going like, you know flying around in the mm-hmm. fight it kind of has a blocky look like mm-hmm. a cubed look i want to say no i don't want to no. just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, getting it wrong yeah. Oh god, it's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> oh well. But no, yeah, I know who you're referring to, and yes, he he animated the one of the very first fight sequences in uh, in Soul Eater, and it was very impressive. Hmm. I also, I watched um, to review for a site I worked wrote for ages ago, um, a series called Requiem from the Darkness or Requiem for the Darkness, uh, and that was a really creepy effective anime it was um there was like this this guy who traveled around collecting like ghost stories or something mm. and it, basically each episode was a different different like japanese folk tale and there was some really creepy stuff i don't remember it that well but i just remember it being and there was there was like these recurring characters who were who might have had some sort of... They might have been actually yokai or something, some kind of supernatural. But it was it was like... I think it was based on some real old Japanese novel or something like that, but it, it's worth... I think it's worth checking down if you... I, don't, I haven't described it very well, but it's creepy. So... <laughs> and I think you can probably stream it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of want to keep watching that thing that I mentioned, Occultic Nine. Oh yeah, yeah. But it's kind of got like this bonkers, huge en- ensemble cast that all kind of got like separate storylines, um, and it's also got like unbelievable character design. When it I comes think I to, saw pictures. When yeah. it comes to. Um, 
boob sizes. Uh. Um, but there are a couple of moments in the pilot for that that were really unsettling and creepy. Uh, so I might check that out again to see if um, they've calmed down on the on the boobs. Probably not. But we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess it's, it's weird. The thing with... Um, the thing with... Uh, like, like not, not necessarily Halloween, but creepy and scary animated things is they're kind of in that same um, arena of pushing the idea that animation isn't necessarily for kids Mm -hmm. or at Mm. least animation is not a babysitter. No. So like I was talking to a mum a couple, like about a month ago who was upset because she had a couple of crying kids after taking them to see Kubo and the Two Strings. And I'm like, well, you know, I think her kids were like seven and maybe one was even younger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, obviously you know your kids better than anyone else, but maybe this one wasn't the same audience as Minions. Yeah. You know? Not... Not, you know, every single animation piece is going to be the same kind of, you know, lighthearted comedy scenario. It, it's it's allowed to be more than that. If it's going to grow as an art form, it needs to be allowed to be more than just that. It's Yeah, I think it's changing. I mean, like, the attitudes have changed dramatically because when, I mean, at least from the studio or, like, um, distribution uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Because um, when Nightmare Before Christmas was first released, that was a touchstone film, which right. was Disney's um, uh, like uh, adult uh, arm, whereby they sort of released things which they thought were too uh, too much for kids or too much. You know, th- they were able to market them to like adult audiences through Touchstone. Right. Um, but something which is, like, equally freaky was, like, um, like Frankenweenie. <laughs> um, in I, 2012, was it? I think that was around the year it came out. Um, was released through Disney. And they kind of embraced that as something, you know, for... Or, or something that was suitable for kids. I know. I think like Nightmare Before Christmas has been accepted into oh, Disney yeah. Yeah. at this point as well. Like it's in in it was in Disney Infinity or Kingdom Hearts or whatever. And oh yeah, it's, it's been mm-hmm. in Kingdom Hearts more than once, which means it's been a big. It's a it's it's a big deal. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and and also, you know, um, almost. Uh, like every other year now, like there's a Leica movie, mm-hmm. um, and kids growing up with that kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> whether they like it or not, are being exposed to slightly scarier movies <laughs> every year. Well, I'm I'm of the opinion that at least 
every every kid should have that one movie that kind of just scars them a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's an it's an important part of growing up. It's kind of like a right, almost like a rite of passage kind of thing. So I mean, we we should probably we should probably mention that none of us are parents, <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why it's really easy for us to say that because we don't have to deal with the consequences of exactly. a kid who's so maybe scuffed. maybe perhaps when I if and when I do have kids, maybe I will change my focus on that or my opinion on that. But for the time being, I think it's I, I think it's a good way of building character, at least create or at the very least creating opportunity that yeah, once you've calm the child down um, mm-hmm. however you do that is is a good it is a good opportunity to sit down and talk with them and be like okay what did you just watch why did that scare you and it's yeah. a way for you to get to know your kid on a different level oh but- i i just got like just pack it in you wuss i i got i got <laughs> that and also like for live action stuff um, oh, the man in the suit, he has a family. He goes home, and he's probably <laughs> got kids, and, you know, it's not real. But with animated stuff, it was just like, all right, well, it's gone now. You <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, and, yeah, yeah I was, or I was just, like, left to deal with it. <laughs> because my parents probably did use videos as a babysitter, and, uh, you know, had to watch, like, James the Giant Peach just... Oh yeah. my goodness! Yeah, that that now there was a film that had a whole bunch of like creepy imagery in it. Well, Henry Selick. Yep. Director of uh, Coraline and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep, that's why. Um, with a cameo of uh, from Jack Skellington. I know. Well, which is, which took me like a long time to figure out. Yeah, that was I was when I saw that movie. I was around the age where I was still trying to get myself to watch Nightmare Before Christmas all the way through. So when I saw that character model used in um in when they're on the uh, under the ocean and they're at that uh, sunken pirate ship and you see all the like skeletons of the dead pirates and the the captain looked eerily familiar to me. I'm like, why does he look so familiar? And then it wasn't until after I think. I, uh, it was, again, around Halloween again when they were playing that movie, and then I was watching that, and I think that was almost, I think that was the first time I made it all the way through the film, I'm like, oh my god, it was the exact same model of Jack Skellington! Which is just so surreal. But, uh, yeah, it's, it is a interesting time of year for uh animation or at least like kind of experimentation with okay like what kind of what 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 films would be considered appropriate to show on either tv or you know to share with friends and family around this Mm -hmm. particular holiday and there there are quite a few not nearly as much as uh christmas i would say and it's definitely a lot more than some of the other holidays and there's quite a different you know Depending on what exactly you're looking for, you could find just like a nice, you know, kind of a surreal family film, or uh, if you want to go for a lot more like serious adult creepy, then you could probably find like an anime movie like Perfect Blue, or just or an uh, a couple episodes of an anime series that kind of you know basically scratches that itch of whatever you're looking for for the particular seat to watch at this particular season. Like yeah, like mildly creepy or like really super. Creepy. Oh, I guess also in the last uh, couple of years, Over the Garden Wall has like yeah. become is becoming a favorite of people. I still need to watch that. No, yeah, I, yeah, it, it completely fits. That's it like perfectly fits. got the whole like pagan autumn 
like aesthetic. Like it does. Down. It's, it's perfect. I, I I think um I mean I love Halloween. I really do because unlike Christmas, it doesn't mean anything really. <laughs> I mean, it kind of probably does, but I think, but but basically, I think it's it's really good. You know, when the leaves are turning to celebrate something and to kind of and and if it can involve scaring kids that's great (laughs) but also for kids i think if it can involve you um becoming more comfortable with being scared Mm -hmm. and being scared in a safe way um then that's uh that's a positive and, and it's, there's also uh, yeah, crap, go ahead and finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much done. I mean, like I think that's a positive. I think that that I I guess it kind of does serve a function. Yeah, and um, also the idea that nothing lasts forever. I mean, that's you know why why is it that we and on Halloween where it's normally associated with you know skeletons and witches. Sure. And it's yeah, there is a there is a loose association with death and the fact that, you know, the yeah. leaf, the fact that the leaves are changing on the trees and transitioning to winter is because it's mm-hmm. you know they're not dying per se, but it's it's going you know, it's it's things are changing from one form to the other that may not be as pleasant as yeah. it has been for the rest of the year. Well, but it is it well, is a the, necessary change. The Mexican Day of the Dead, like absolutely in a mature way, understands that. Mm-hmm. Like, and and it's such a weird, like, yeah, it's it's such a weird thing that they kind of, like, just get to the point and they say, yeah, this is about dead people. This is about people who aren't here. They are not here. They are dead. And we're going to celebrate them and celebrate, like, death as a, you know, as a process of, <laughs> you know, as part of life, really. But, but we kind of like tip. I mean, not we, but I mean, um, other parts of Halloween or festivals that happen around this time of year kind of tiptoe around it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I actually, I guess, like um, you know, uh, Paranorman really understands that. And that's that's one of the things I like about it the most. Now, yeah, I think that's why it's really one of my favorites because it really it gets to horror movies and it kind of homages lots of horror movies and it's a really nasty fun um like gruesome zombie movie but when it gets down to it it really understands the function that all of those things really have yeah and what they're really about definitely that's why it's such a it's such an iconic animated film and if you haven't seen it yet what are you doing go watch it Take take advantage and watch it this Halloween season. Yeah, I think if there was like an animated film which would get someone who's not in intran- into animated films into them, it might be Paranorman. Mm-hmm. Because it's a real PG PG, and it's not kiddie, and it's really funny, and it's uh, genuinely gruesome. Yeah. Yes, it is. It hits all the right kind of Halloween movie and, you know, creepy notes. I know at some point they're talking about turning um, the Neil Gaiman book, the Graveyard book, into a film. 
and I'm not sure 100% if it's going to be animated or not, but mm. I would love it so much if it is, because that would be a perfect Halloween movie. Because <laughs> if you don't know, it's kind of the Jungle Book, but with a kid raised in in a graveyard by ghosts. Oh my god. All it's right. amazing. <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to get to it. Like um, <laughs> American Gods and... All the Alan Moore, <laughs> um, like stuff like, uh, yeah, I'm going to get to it, but I keep on like, I, I guess people read it around this time of year because I've heard people talking about it on Twitter. Oh, it's really short. It's, it's a kids' book. You can read it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So American Gods is a bit of an investment. It's my favourite book, but <laughs> okay, it's a bit of you know you need to put time aside for it. But graveyard book. Not he'll be through it quickly, mm-hmm. and it, I remember actually reading Coraline and wishing it was a stop motion film. You and then it happened. And it happened. So you only have three wishes left, Chris. Oh ah, um. no! <laughs> so I think that basically, I think we've more or less talked about like we've talked about great, great deal, many, uh, great many things in regards to animated films and the spookiness and creepiness and Halloween themed episodes and whatnot so I think we've more or less exhausted the topic at least for this particular year mm-hmm. we'll maybe revisit it next year possibly who knows or maybe we'll just cite a particular film mm-hmm. next year but uh, well, on that note we'll just kind of leave off there and we'll nope. see you next time with our uh, episode 60 Ooh. so if you want to check out any of our other podcast episodes feel free to look up our episodes on our website animationforadults.com we also have uh our episodes are available on itunes podcast.com and stitcher and gentlemen where can we find you on social media we'll start with you chris find me in in the shadows (laughs) Or, or on twitter uh, Mr. Crystal and the same <laughs> on Facebook and of course you can find me at animationforadults.com writing loads of stuff and this and that and keeping you all updated and hey doing my best thank you Chris <laughs> as always and Dan how about you yeah once again nothing can be scarier than Twitter <laughs> and that's where you'll find me at Hamu. Um, adequately Halloween-themed pun here <laughs> I can't seem to think of, but you can find me at Fail2Ninja uh, on Twitter. And thank you very much for joining us for this ep- special episode, and we will see you next time. Yeah, <laughs>